Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. February 24th, Snowmageddon happened. This is Ugh. another edition of Take Two. And joining us, Greg Hughes, who wants no more water in his universe. No. Mara Carabello, who welcomes it. Yes, I'm happy. I'm pro drought. Love the snow. I, th- we do not live in Anchorage, Alaska. We don't need any of this. This is just unnecessary, and it's going to create more havoc and destruction in my Earth. home. I know. You're just old, Get I it think. up in the mountains. We don't need it down here. No, I just love it. Just put it all up in the mountains. I know. love it. And, and then it, I don't want it to run off and, and it's come sort down. of the wild card, because we're in that last week of the legislative Ugh. session. There's a lot going on nationally, but... This sort of just threw a kink in my week where it just I didn't have time to get rid of two feet of snow. How much did you get, Greg? <laughs> yeah, we got we got we didn't get two feet, but we were over a, well over a foot, and the dogs couldn't get out to go. You open up the door, and it's just a wall of my dog. It was taller than my wow. dogs. So you had a out. ton of first world problems. Yeah, there, I had a, a lot of first world problems. <laughs> he couldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> can't get out of the driveway, and I've had back surgery. Back in November, so I, you know, I'm I'm clinging oh, wow. to that nice. surgery that's to not nice. have to I shovel. Like that. that's a nice I'm using there. it as my excuse. <laughs> And uh, so it's actually it's been it's been challenging, very mm. challenging in my first world. How about you, Mara? Did you have? Um, we didn't. We had maybe eighteen inches. Um, we've had a few. Eighteen's a lot. Well, we've had this is probably the fourth storm this year. We've we've had that much. Oh. We're not on like I mean, Tuilla, a woman I work with, said she mm-hmm. got like twenty eight inches. Yeah, that seems instrumental. The, the, the southwest part of the valley where I saw those pictures of y'all opening the door and seeing, we had like a. You know, mm-hmm. it was a good storm, but it was, yeah. you could, it was you could shovel your driveway and get out. I find it offensive. It's just over the top. It's coming with weird problems, though, because you know when you have high school tryouts that every school has to yeah. do them on the same day because you don't want kids shopping around for teams. Oh, so it's soccer tryouts this week. My whole life revolves around I'm a soccer mom, and they apparently, there's too much snow in the field, so they can't, there's nowhere to go outside. So they've moved tryouts to 5 in the morning, but you have to check in at 4.30 in the morning all week wow. next week. And I'm like... I can't do this. I get home from work really late <laughs> yeah. at night. Why are There's we doing no this? That's, That's tough. And um, my son's going to uh, just like a soccer camp. The colleges do it to kind of check out kids this Saturday. But because they had kids flying in, they're actually paying people to somehow get rid of the snow and put it someplace else from the turf down at UVU. So it's mm. just like weird first world problems. Yes. But it's mm-hmm. like, guys, there's too much snow. We cannot function. No, we can't. Mm-hmm. We can't. We, uh, I thought if we got rid of the lake, there was no Great Salt Lake, we wouldn't have lake effect. Well, what's this? This is this may as well be lake effect. Whether we have a lake or not, we seem to get the giant storm like this. Well, we may not I'm even under need the bills in the, the, uh, the legislative session, but we're in kind of that everything's happening at the legislature <laughs> where I'm surprised people got up on time, got up there to their meetings this week because it was kind of wild. Yep. But we're still trying to save the Great Salt Lake because apparently this one storm's not going to save us. Ooh, we've had more than one, Heidi. I don't know if you've been watching. We have had a couple. A it's true. So there's a new bill, uh, House Bill 538, that was just introduced. This is uh, sponsored by Representative Doug Owens of Mill Creek, a Democrat. You may know him. Uh, This one would forbid people along the Wasatch Front, so basically, you know, all the way from Ogden down to, you know, the south of Utah County, from watering their lawns 
before May 1st or after, that is, October 1st. And then all of that money saved would go to the Great Salt Lake. Mara, uh, will this save the Great Salt Lake? Can we do this? Are we going to be um, calling our neighbors to the water police? What's going to happen? So I, I sort of love this bill, but <laughs> nobody else does. And, I'll, and there's some good reasons not to. Well, one, I think this, if I had to theme this legislative session, it is big government overreach by Republicans. So oh, I think that now when Ugh. we look for a little Democratic uh, overreach, I'm like, oh, hey, back to old school. So <laughs> I um, <laughs> so I will say I one of the things I love about this bill is it's actually backed by leadership. It's mm. a bipartisan bill. I Are don't you think kidding it, me. I this am one is not kidding you. Oh my god! But it's not going to pass this year. It's got two. I, I don't think. I don't think it's going to pass. But it's a really interesting <sighs> idea, and it's the very first time in Utah we've seen mandated water restrictions, um, and it's just amazing that this is coming from the state. So I think. For me, it's not a state issue. It's a local policy issue. But I love the idea of mandating uh, watering Bossy time. I'm not going to lie. The other thing I'll just say is we are not talking enough about the fact that we're not going to fill the Great Salt Lake uh, by capturing all the discharge. And at one point, you're working against yourself thinking that way. And I think there's this group think that I'm getting a little concerned about that is this simple, simple version of, hey, let's cut down our water. Every So... Every bit matters, right? It, all, all efforts are good. But you're not going to take 1% mm. of water resources and fill it. And, and there's an equity there in which short fills are just being evaporated. So you're sort of losing that water to everything. But it feels good to say the, that it'll fill it. And we do need to find new water resources to um, fill under the my house. I'd like to mandate to that your house. shower cannot be more than two minutes. I think that would help. Okay. Like Two just minutes. like that's quick. You just do like the important parts, like the three top parts. <laughs> Everything out. else has you to know, be it a takes bucket. A long time for my shower to get warm. I, it goes for a while before it even gets hot. Um, let me tell you. So if you're saying this bill has Republican I support, think this bill this has is a very bossy bill. This bill is very welcome bossy. to the new Republican Party. This says there is a penalty that you cannot and you can you're forbidden from watering your lawns before May first or after October first. How about this? Why don't we just say? What why about don't we my meter? vegetables? Because sometimes my vegetables they still need they water. They exempt okay. trees and vegetables. Mm-hmm. This oh, is good. this refers to turf. Let's, okay, but let, let's, <laughs> why just not helping. just meter where you make it really, really expensive in the month of April? Because we water, know that the price October, for metering in terms of it, it's the a cost would be the it's a fallacy that pricing actually exercise elastic elastic demand on water. It, it goes higher. It goes high so enough, high though, like it goes ridiculously high before we decide to turn off our hoses. I think I just think you make and it then super it hurts. expensive and that's that's what's going to compel people to not have to pay the, the price. Well, so I think what's interesting is this bill's not going to be passed, but why I love that we're talking about it is I think this philosophy this is the first of marker down people. on this kind of philosophy. I hope that they go to a different philosophy. Well, talk it to makes us think differently. Because, I do yeah. remember last year when I was trying to get a hose and spray down, my stucco gets kind of filthy sometimes, mm-hmm. that I felt guilty about it. I still did it, but I was thinking... I <laughs> you got over it. it. You I got better over. do it quickly yeah. and moved. not very long. So yeah. I'm thinking differently yeah, no, about look, it. Look, I, I think that you can find some real wasteful moments in the summer. You can find... If you're, if you're watering your lawn in the noonday in the summertime, you're burning your lawn. You're not watering it. There's just... There's a lot of things. So I honestly do think that this... Pricing where you could really put a prohibitive cost on on the water and when you're doing it, 
There's got to be technology where you Looking can make it so studies, expensive. It's really it's, expensive. Are you going to um, bootleg your water? Or are you going to like sell it out of your basement? I wish I could. I honestly, I have so could, much of it. I wish I could do something it. with yeah. it. It's, it's it's ridiculous how much there is. This water table is massive. So your aquifer is still full. It is, well, <laughs> it's gone down, but I can still see you sitting water up, up below my basement, like where we had to crush, you know, jackhammer through the floor and dig down. I can still see sitting water down there. I wonder if you could put, like hook your hose to it and just use it to start watering before April and just uh, it's, there's do so whatever much you of want. It. Anyway, right. and as I look at the mountains, I got more coming my way in the spring. Okay, so, so we're going to plan on that one, dying. We'll see how that checks out when we come back next week. Uh, another new bill, uh, Kara Berkland has a bill that would make voters request a mail-in ballot right now. We all get one automatically. It's helped Greg Hughes to help us all vote more. We'd like to do it in our pajamas. When there's like <laughs> 86 things on the ballot, you can do your research. You can actually figure out who you're voting for. I'm more likely to vote for all of them. Should we request the ballots? Will this make it safer? Will it make it more secure and a better election? So I'm going to give a little uh, hack here for people. If you see a bill that's, that's HB and it starts with a 5, so it's in the 500 range. This is a bill that's coming out very, very late in the session. It's it's not getting a lot of yeah. time. It doesn't have much of a runway. I'm the last here, the last committee hearings for I think Monday or Tuesday of this next week. Today's Friday. So, when you see a bill like this come out and it's numbered high and it's this is a discussion point. I, I also I like I don't like mass mailing unsolicited ballots, especially when our democratically elected republic is so important. I I, I like the concept here, but I don't. I'm, I'm just going to say and I. Not being a hater, but I don't think that bill is going to go anywhere right now. I think there's some other election bills that have been running around the session this year that might have legs, but I don't think this one will. I do think that it's worth talking about. I would go the other way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make. I would mass mail these ballots as that's going on right now. But I. I would say instead of mailing them back, having the time to fill it out. But when you go to the drop box, which a majority of the mail ballots now are being taken physically to a location, that's where you should scan the driver's license and have someone that's there. I mean, look at all the COVID, you know, kiosks we had. Have someone that, that actually receives that ballot at that drop-off and then scan their, their driver's license when they come in. I, that's how I would do it. I would, I would, I would grab it on the way back in. Not, I wouldn't mind on the way out. They okay. go everywhere. Uh, Mara, so Greg thinks this is going nowhere. Is it an important conversation or is this wasting my time? It's wasting your time. I mean, there's an organization called the Equal Justice Society, and they track sort of these slowing down access to the ballot issues. I checked the other day to see the if this was going to be on it because it's really quintessential. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we're losing track of, some parts of the Republican Party are losing track of, is how well Utah has been perceived and deserves its reputation about having really well-run elections. And um, under... People like Greg Hughes, we opened up vote by mail. We did it better than the Pacific Northwest, who led the nation on vote by mail. We've never had significant security problems. You actually do have to register. It's that you don't have to annually do it. It's in perpetuity. It's not mass mailing of people we don't know and we haven't verified. You You still have to to go. We know who you are. It's not insecure. And I will say that I think we have a group of lawmakers who are following a national trend in which they kind of specialize in hot issues and cutting edge issues and they're bringing attention to things that are ideologically driven. I don't begrudge that, but I don't find it as serious policy making as I do other legislators. The reason I would argue it's serious is I think perception in politics is reality. And I think there is an undermining of the confidence of your vote 
when you when you mail it in, and this is a national conversation, not just and in this Utah. undermines the confidence. No, of, I, I don't of think something. bills like this do. I think that there's an attempt by lawmakers to increase people's confidence in chain of custody and how a, how your vote will actually count, and it, it's not going to be diluted or anything like that. And it, and, right, but and, this artificialness. I think undermines it. We don't have this problem. We have one of the best vote by mail systems in the nation. That's been objectively analyzed over years. It's true, but it's increased our voter turnout. And this kind of malarkey is what undermines the confidence but, but, but in the Mara, system. Mara, there was a legislative audit that I thought put put out there some better practices that could be done. I've never seen a legislative audit that that has been wholly rejected as these are a bunch of bad ideas. There's all we're human beings. There's always ways to improve your processes, and even our system, as good as it may be. There are ways to make it even better than yeah, it is. So we should, let's not be so defensive. Let's we should just note be that the executive that. branch governs, and Lieutenant Governor weighed in on this bill and said that she didn't <laughs> feel it was necessary. So while uh, I appreciate, yeah, I while a partisan legislative audit instructed the executive branch, we've had this discussion. They instructed they are the executive branch. They are they are on behalf All of right, legislative. Kids, we've got a lot to get to. <laughs> okay, Interesting enough, you brought up that these higher numbers are what we see at the end of the legislative yes. session, but this is a record-breaking year of um, small government. And by small government, I mean that <laughs> sarcastically in the sarcasm <laughs> the sarcasm font. 1,377 bill requests this year and 894 were drafted. So there's a lot to get. We could get another 300 if we work hard in the next week or so. <laughs> Shit. Uh, it's, no. So we'll wait and Hopefully. see if that happens. Another one that people are talking about is a diversity bill. Senator John Johnson unveiled a bill that would prohibit Utah universities from funding diversity, equity, and inclusion offices. What I didn't have time to look up, and I'd be interested to know, is how much we're spending on this. Um, this is all happening um, where we're saying we don't need to fund it, we don't need it. And then I was listening yesterday at the White House where we had uh, the spokesperson saying that the cabinet there is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female and a record seven assistants to the president are LGBTQ+. plus. So nationally, President Biden is diversifying, diversifying, diversifying here in Utah, Mara. Um, we want to get rid of the office. Who's right? Are, are there extremes in both directions? Is there a middle ground or which way should we go? I mean, again, for me, the theme this year is the amount of cultural and um, institutional instruction that the Republicans are giving. It's against <laughs> their brand. I believe you guys want small government, but you're not acting like this. No, and that, so this is the I creep think, on the government. What the, these going no, into these social these causes? Institutions these were know what they want to do. Would, you would say it's, it, to pair that back that it's, it's, it's not it's true. Creep. I've been pretty creep. consistent, and this is just cultural instruction. This is just again anger and fear driven. There's so much fear right now with the far right in the Republican Party that I just don't think it's warranted. And I don't know that these other institutions need the state of Utah to instruct them in the manner in I'll which test, they're instructing. I'll test your theory right now. Okay. I just thought of this, right? I, this is original thought right here. All right, here. I'm ready. Original Boom. thought. So one of the topic, don't say gay. We want to, we, there, there's, there's yeah. bills out there that say you can't talk yeah. about yeah, that's this our age appropriate. That's our next, that's our next topic, right? Don't say gay. How about yeah. don't say pray? Let me ask you this: Do you think it's large government saying you can't pray in schools? Would that be an, would that be government intruding into schools saying you can't have prayer in school? Or yeah, is I mean, that the amount of instruction we're giving saying, professional you know what, that's teachers that shouldn't happen in is school. too much. So you would be? Do you think yeah, so? If you I'm have not, a prohibition on you can't pray in school, you think that's wrong? 
I trust teachers more than I trust the I'll collective take that for a body yes. that's of a, that's an of, overreach and that's a no. statute. So we should strike that because it says they prohibit prayer in school. There, it's actually I just saw it this morning. I was surprised to see it, but it, there's a there's statute, not new statute. There's existing statute that prohibits prayer in school. You're saying that that I, that I that, think the prayer prohibiting it is large government. I think. I, I agree. I think that I think the prayer might have some definitions in the origins, <laughs> but I'm I don't care that they restrict it. I am okay. You, I am okay. I carry with, a prayer in my heart. Do you? Knows. you I I really, Greg, for the first time in my life, have never seen Republicans exercise this amount of big government. They it's are they government. are controlling I, and wanting to control I was everybody. To draw a, 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 everything. Your, 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 when your, your cultural your battles you, in the cultural say, areas. If you have a prohibition in statute right now that says you can't have prayer in school, I don't think you'd call that big government creating I will, that prohibition. I will, Would I'll, you? I will look at this, but so far these don't have a strong case for support. No one can identify problems. More and more anecdotal uh, I'm, problems. I'm more They're the like, I have. I don't think that that's a big government thing that, that if you want to prohibit certain things, that's not big government necessarily. Prohibiting certain things. Like prayer, like they prohibit prayer in school. And I don't think that if it's a left-leaning idea that you can't say God in school, I think you're not like, that's, so you that's big government overreach. So you don't think mandating content in classrooms is government, big government. What about mandating stuff out of content? So let's talk about the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the bill that says don't don't say gay, say gay bill, yes. which I don't think the Florida bill said that, and nor does this one. But no. this one comes from Representative uh, Jeff Stenquist of Draper, and this would My prohibit classroom discussion. It looks a lot like Florida's bill or instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. They say that is in a manner that is not age or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. I did hear some of our LG. LGBTQ plus allies saying that this would make it so that children couldn't talk about, let's say, if they had two dads or two moms at home, which I don't think it would do. I think that was a lot of what you heard in Florida. I think you can come in and talk about that. I think you're not supposed to teach kids about sexuality or just let them be kids, I guess. Mara, is this okay or is this legislating too much too? And you're like, "Mm, we just keep legislating people's private affairs. (laughs) We do. Like, and it's the Republican side. And you got to own the fact that y'all want to get up in everybody's business right now. You, it did not used to be true of the Republican Party. What about but, those videos the government had? I think Governor Cox took them down when he found out about them. But I think the State Office of Education had come up with those videos where they were having kids, you know, do gender play and have boys yeah. try on earrings or have girls do this or that. Is that something that we should be having happen in school or should we just let conversations happen and not be saying, I think hey, it's what a conversation you between like you and your school district. I, I'm not saying these conversations aren't valid. I'm just saying who should be having them. And I think it, it, it is somewhat community defined. What's acceptable for one community is not acceptable for another. When we come to these really nuanced definitions of, for example, age appropriate. Now, we're, none of us so are talking about the extreme. have different rules. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, like, that's why we have local school board jurisdictions and why we don't just have that all mandated at a state level. If you look at movies from back in the day, there's a really bad movie that I like the first one, Escape from New York. John Carpenter's Escape from L.A. Okay, many people have never seen that movie, and I wouldn't actually recommend it. However, the storyline was that there was this government totalitarianism that had this huge social agenda, and it was right of center. Okay, It was a very conservative, it was a very puritanical approach to 
governing society, and that was kind of the theme. And then you look at a movie in the 90s called V for Vendetta. Again, heavy government that was trying to socially engineer the populace, but it was the people that wrote the story. It was coming from right of center, uh, dogma, and all that other stuff. It's funny that in 2023, those themes actually are happening to us, but it's from the left. This, this social engineering and these concepts and this, this way that we're supposed to behave or speak or not speak, it's not coming from the right as some artists and authors used to think that it would ultimately come from. It's coming from the left. And, and I'm saying that that's not big government. That's, it's big government that there's a social agenda being being pushed in our schools or in our institutions. It's not their place. This is what Democrats used to always say to Republicans when they talked about values, family values, these things. They're saying, hey, don't push your agenda in our schools or right, in our institutions. But tell me what's so the difference. Why I'm is Stenquist's bill not exactly as you I've come around defined. to the point. I think you were right. we should. We got to get rid of social engineering on either side. Just don't do right, it. But in Utah... Who has the majority and who's dictating what's socially acceptable it's, is Mara, the Republican it's, Party. It's, it's when the students record their teachers unbeknownst to the teacher or when there's a recording of, of faculty that and are talking amongst themselves. And you think that's the themselves. majority? Well, I don't think that we're lucky enough to see the silver bullet fly by. I think it happens enough that you're. if I'm seeing it, it's happening frequently enough that it's it's. So I, you think I'm our educational system is markedly it's, more conservative than the state legislature. No, I'm saying, you I'm don't saying think they're that, just that average there's Utahns. recordings of teachers in high school saying things that you wouldn't want said inside the school. It's it's pretty it's it, it's pretty aggressive. It's it and then you see some of these staff saying, hey, the way we get around this opt in by parents is we just bring it in, you know, and we, we bring it there, then we tell them after the fact. When you it's capture those com- yeah. When you capture those conversations or it's made its way to us out here in the cheap seats to me, that says this is happening frequently enough that it's actually we're seeing these moments. I don't because you're is talking about social media. It is a real worry. I'm and not I'm, worried about my kids in school. I'm not worried I think, about I my think teachers. There's, I think I I will tell you there there are conversations that kids are coming back from school sharing with parents, grandparents that that are shocking to them. And those in kids terms and grandparents those don't. Are. Those parents and grandparents don't think they have the influence or the ability to shape their kids' no, lives the way they it's, want. It's a, it's a rewrite of history where it's, a, it's, a, it's it, it, they don't think it's accurate. And they it's actually they're opposed to what they're hearing. And it's, that, and it's not on and they don't think It's not on reading, values, writing, and arithmetic. It's on, again, a social agenda. They don't think agenda. their values will withstand the kids' scrutiny. No, I'm saying that they, they don't think they have influence over the child. If you could flip the, the, the social agenda to one that was right of center, you would say the same thing, that you don't want Greg, them I indoctrinated to all by day, authority figures on that things I don't that agree with. You, you don't my child hears things with. I don't agree with. And for me to say, you know what's best for my child is to never have a 360 I, yeah. point of view of life. I would, I would I'm just, just say, not on that team. Mara, I, I, I agree that you can't put them in bubbles, but I just think in our schools, I think it's reasonable to expect that you're not going to talk about procreation with kindergartners to third graders. That's and it. you do not think that's established in the great state of Utah that we don't get to talk about anything? I think if you anything? see it in this country and you see the no. direction it's going, you might even want to put that firewall in before yeah, it becomes I mean, an event. Let's not worry about statistics like one in four young women in Utah will be assaulted. Let's not worry about statistics it's not a, that that's a rape is the highest that we've ever comparisons. seen. And no, there's no, there's no, you're comparison. not taught about about sexuality and what's going on. It's a direct relationship to sexual assault. You, oh, you so kindergarten through third grades where you want that starting? Age appropriate. Oh, Let's please. let kids teach it. Here's a funny story that would maybe break the tension here. So my daughter... <laughs> There's no tension We here. left Utah when my daughter w- went to Florida when she was probably six, so it was somewhere between probably three and six. She was taking dance lessons, and she came home, and she's like, Mom, do you remember I learned today? And I thought she was going to show me a dance move. No, she had a fun fact. She said, did you know... <laughs> 
when kids go to bed, moms and dads lay naked on top of each other. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, well, so it was so like a you fun feel better, fact. Mara, that she got the, like, uh, she, she has that. She, she knows that. Know what Heidi did. Heidi was taking it as a teaching opportunity, and she didn't deep dive with Man, her kindergartner be, about I sexuality. Be, oh, we should I would never have that conversation. I, like, oh, I would be okay. so mad if my kid came home and said that. It's gross. I don't want my, I don't want my kid thinking about that stuff. I know, but your yeah. wife, thank goodness, is having these conversations. I don't even remember what I said, but I didn't delve deeper into it because I don't think she no. wanted to have a conversation. She just wanted to tell and me And she a didn't fun know fact. what she was talking about. Yeah. Like, so age appropriate. To that, it, to that is point, it's, it wasn't appropriate, obvious. right? It sounded yeah. gross when she told me. Yes, so it, is, yeah, it. it is gross to talk about. While we're talking about that age group, uh, we talked about this last year. There was partial funding for all-day kindergarten as opposed to um, half-day kindergarten, which yeah. I think is a Utah thing. Are there any other states that do half-day half day kindergarten? Well, anyhow, if you have to send your kids to daycare or figure out something for the other half of the day if you're a working parent, it's a real pain in the tush. It can cost a lot of money. They're looking at it again for more funding. Uh, Greg, is it time that we start funding full-day kindergarten so our kids can be educated at the same rate the rest of the country is, the East Coast, China, yeah, Russia? I've come to this issue and agree, fully agree with all-day kindergarten. And I, and I was, when I started as a lawmaker, I was completely against it. And I, cause I thought it was a nice, what made with you all change? The, um, just under having a, a deeper appreciation for the household makeups and the fact that there aren't people to come that can pick up the, if your child's going to school for half a day, you're having to manage uh, a daycare or something. And we say half a day, it's like it's three like hours. Two and I was so, was, yeah, when exactly. I figured out the half day was 10 minutes. So was, it's just, it's yeah. just, I, I just think that there, 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 Sadly, uh, aren't two parent homes or enough of them where this half day actually works in the in people's lives, and so it's just. I think the full day is fine, but what what I I would marvel at is, as I've come to full day kindergarten and believe that that's actually critical. When we hit COVID, everyone just said, "Okay, no one goes to school at all." And I don't I, I to this day I don't know how that worked with people that you know single parents or two yeah. working parents. Yeah. I I will never understand how we could just so instead tell the of kids to not go squirreling when we were down pushing for all day. Greg's COVID road. I want to ask him a question. <laughs> so um, I it's a fair observation. I one of the things I and this is a real question. <laughs> one of the things I'm interested in is that I feel like we've had this all day discussion for a very long time. I know. I, like we, I kind of know, we even would have like said we at a time. did it you know before. Who, or something. I debated yeah, this with like, Governor Huntsman. And yeah, he actually like, got me to feel bad this? about my position, so I don't know why it's not all, it's not so completely. So he changed your mind? Yeah, yeah, you did. Interesting. So does well, this bill get us over the did, line yeah. so we don't have I to? I don't even know what the funding is, and I still don't think this gets us completely over the line. Um, I was talking to Jim Spiewak, one of my co-anchors here, and he has a kindergarten. He'll be going to half day, and I forget the exact amount. He can text me later and tell me I was wrong, but I want to say that if he wanted to have his son go, his school offered it, but it was an extra two or 3000 a year. For to, the to pay to go to parent? full day, yeah. So uh, to pay Greg, the public school, I think so. I've got to ask questions. I, I feel like we have the money. I feel like we have consensus. I'm uh. still like, why are we? Why are we not fully funding this? Yeah, it's the, a real question. The, only, I'm the not, only thing that I that I used to fall back on, but don't anymore now that I saw the light, was that there's there's have to haves in education in terms of what we're paying uh, teachers and all these other other things. And then if you were able to, if you felt that the curriculum was solid enough at half a day extending it to a full day, is that a nice-to-have or a have-to-have when there's other demands on our budgets for public education and delivering education? But doesn't education? the but, word surplus answer them? Yeah, so that, that? Yeah, so that used to be my position, but I actually think that that full day uh, is is healthier for those, these kids when they're coming in. They're going to go full day from first grade on. I think it's important on, that so we start feeding them school go. lunches early as we can in there. 
dieting careers. If I was wrong on that two or three thousand, H Hatch at KUTV2.com, let me know and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll fix that next that week. That is a stick so to beat I'm, yourself with. I would not have shared that. that I know. I'm feel, I'm questioning uh, that information now. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. So I don't know okay. if it's something that he pays extra for or how, but anyhow, I know there are a lot of families that would like to see that full day kindergarten going on. Uh, magic mushrooms, they're dead, uh, crashes and fails. This is a Senator Luce Escamilla bill, um, says that she'll keep working on it. Mara, is this one that we really should be giving um, solid conversation and thought to? I think it's so interesting that we're one of the first states to have this. We well, would wild, be like the third west. state. If, if, if it had passed as she constructed it, we would be like the third state in the nation to shroom it. I think it's a little early for me, but the discussion <laughs> is, is probably warranted. It's, it's just... I, I don't support it. I, I, I don't. It's it's not even a serious issue for me. I, I, I love mushrooms. But I like them sautéed like portobellas mm-hmm. and the babies. I only have them on pizza. I just, mm. Okay. So. so we have all learned something about us. We're not ready, but uh, we will keep watching that one. Uh, first-time homebuyer cash has been uh, very popular. This one uh, passed the Senate last time I heard uh, heads to the House. This is Senator Stuart Adams' bill, and it's SB 240. It's a $50 million proposal. It would allow first-time buyers... $20,000 that you could use in several different ways. You could uh, put it as a down payment, as closing costs, or even paying down your interest rate. The concept is trying to get people into housing that otherwise feel kind of blocked out right now. Uh, Greg, is this something that is worthwhile for the state to fund, or is this something where we're spending money where we don't need it, to? It's, it's, I, I, I applaud the, the, the effort, and I understand what, this, what the President Adams is trying to do here. There's just a lot of discussions about starter homes. Do they just automatically climb up twenty thousand, uh, knowing that there's more consumers there more that cash. have this ability to pay that amount? Um, uh, how are you looking at the, the, the you know the cost of the home? And I, I just don't have the highest confidence in in government solving this issue this way. So I, I just I look we have we have a housing shortage and there and it is real. And so I, I I do think something has to be done. I'm I'm just not convinced that this bill is the way to do it. Uh, what about you, Mara? Is this a good way to get some of our kids? We all have kids that are all headed to that direction of buying homes in the near future, if not ready. I mean, so. what I do like about this is it begins to acknowledge the crisis in affordability for that generation of home buyers. And I think one of the really big statistics we're all stressed about is, I'm going to get this a little bit wrong, but I want to say it was 15 years ago, 80-something percent of us owned our homes, and now it's like 47%. I mean, it's it's less than half of the people in Utah. And the economic ripples from lacking home ownership are a really big deal. So I think this bill seeks to address that. I tend to agree with Greg that it's probably likely to be the most messed with in terms of the market messing with it. And therefore, I don't want to see the government grow, 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 have this be the biggest tool in the tool chest. But I do like that they're adding this tool because I think the down payment barrier um, is getting more and more. I would like to see um, this bill modified in the coming years to perhaps be a little more clever and adequate to get around market forces. And I think that they need to look at that. But I'm for starting this as one of the many tools that we need to get serious about because Utah is no longer affordable. It's no longer going to accommodate the families that it did unless we really take a serious look at affordable housing. I, I will tell you, this is a longer view at it, but if you want affordable homes, let's see uh, Let's see more than let's, – let's see some economic opportunities in the rest of the state other than the four counties along the Wasatch Front. 80% of our state – population lives in four counties out of 29. 
if you get off this Wasatch Front, your cost of living goes way down and your quality of life goes actually up. We have to have good jobs that are out throughout the state. If you want affordable housing, we have some, if we have economic opportunity in some of these other counties, you'll see people migrate there for those opportunities, for quality of life issues, for cost of living issues. That's That, to me, that would be a greater way to give people opportunities yeah. for affordable housing. People are spreading. I went down to St. George, and I don't drive down there very often last weekend for, again, a soccer tournament. Actually, My whole life revolves around that. Yeah, and, did, that's um, an annual trip I was, at least. Yeah, I was sort of surprised. I guess I was paying more attention than I usually do, but the building... Oh, it's incredible. It's wild when you go down there just in places yes. you've never seen it before. Yeah. And it's but just to like, Greg's wow. point, we're creating a pocket now in Washington County, but there's nothing in between. We're one of the most yeah. urban states in the nation, and people Correct. don't see ourselves that way. We see ourselves as very rurally oriented. You talk to anybody in Utah County, and they're sort of like, no, I live in this bucolic world. And I'm like, no, you live in density. Yeah. And, and we do it need to address that. Malls. And that's why I think I'm excited that the Hughes family's moving to Parowan. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know. Finally I, get to get those cowboy boots. I, I, I would love to move somewhere that was more affordable and quality of life was better. I just need to get those jobs going, right? Yeah. All right. We'll see how that goes. Uh, one thing that looks like it's going to advance, but this wouldn't be the end of the road, is the food tax. Um, and at this point, they've got to figure out the constitutionality of it because we have rules as to where the money goes. And it looks like it is going to be heading. Um, at this point, all the indications are that we'll get to vote on it in November and decide if this is something we want. And then it would be, was it 2025 that we'd actually start getting rid of the food tax? Uh, I don't even know how much this saves us a year, but it's definitely popular. It's something people care about when they go to the grocery store. We're already paying so much, for, you know, for our eggs that we don't want to pay an extra tax on it. Mara, is this the right way to go? I think it's about 191 million right now at the current rates. This current year, we're going to see. Um, I had to have a conversation around earlier. I think that's right. I, I, this, this year, we're going to see income taxes come in actually level and lower than. Um, then sales tax. So this year we're going to have a healthier sales tax year. That, to be clear, is an anomaly. It's not a practice. But here's where I'm planting my flag. I am not going to be bullied into saying that it's good policy to <laughs> hijack uh, systems. I'm not. I don't care so how many times people. I don't care how so many well. times people insist oh. it. I do not think you can hold something hostage to get something else and do it it's in the name it. of balancing your budget and pretending that legislation legislators for the first time in history don't have the wherewithal to balance their budget unless they hold a portion. So if you believe that they're contingent, why doesn't the legislature show the first good act instead of holding it hostage? There were really good reasons why we constitutionally require the legislators to somewhat insist on monetarily prioritizing. We lip service education all the time, but I believe that if the earmark is constitutionally gone, we will not see the insistence that we have now. But what I resent is the bad policy that is tying things together. I resented it earlier this year when it came to teacher salaries, and I resent the conversation now that ties these two together. If we want to have an independent conversation about about, okay, fine. I'm waiting. Greg I'm is, trying to be. I'm okay. trying, I'm I don't want to interrupt you. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you. I, I, I don't, if I don't Do at it. least gesture with my hands, the clock is I'm yours. never going to get a chance. No. It's not holding anything hostage. We don't print money as a state like the federal government does. If you take the sales tax, which is general fund, and state income tax is for is the education fund primarily. There's some Medicaid for kids in there too and mm -hmm. higher ed. Okay, but the, it, there's it's earmarked. Yeah. If you want to lower the general fund that pays for the rest of state government and, and narrow that base on the food tax, 
it is just eyes wide open, full disclosure that lawmakers in placing the priorities of funding for the state should have all the taxes that, that the taxpayers pay in to address those needs. And, and when you have it earmarked that way, it ties their hands on decisions like lo- taking away the tax on food. So both issues are out there for, for, for voters to, to weigh and, and l- identify their priorities as they vote. I think that's great. I think it's honest. It's not like D.C. where they just keep spending it wherever they want. They, they, they never have any kind of accountability or any balanced budget. Or, so I, I just think I so think the that they are absolutely So the general fund array, is contingent uh, on income tax, not contingent on no, growing, no, general fund on growing is the retail. Tax. Right. So you're saying that in order to have a general fund that's balanced, you must look at the income tax. I'm saying... Why don't you grow the economy? We've had a banner year this year, and we grew <laughs> I, income. Not, I, we grew sales tax. We grew retail. But you're saying, to, no, no, no. There's no way I can look at all of my you, obligations under the general fund. You already fund. described that, that it's a, a unique year when the sales tax comes in faster <laughs> or higher saying, than the There was more tax. sales tax this year than income. The income tax comes in at a high rate. It, it is restricted in how it can be used, and it, it, it ties the hands of appropriators. You're saying in terms I don't have enough money to take sell, care of basic needs unless so let's, I raid let's, the income By the tax. way, that, that, that amendment that's going to come, it will protect education on a couple levels that are important to note. It's going to say that, it, that they will always fund an inflationary effect of, of their, of their um, yeah, appropriation, right. and also they will always fund new growth of new students. And so... There's some automatic constitutional increases that would happen every year. I think that's a, a positive. And, and frankly, I've, I, in the time I was serving, even in tough times where we had shortfalls, the weighted pupil unit, which is the amount per child, was always protected, went up most of the years I served, and, yeah. and the worst of times was never We have been protecting that away. 49th status. Woo! We are holding we on tight We have more children per taxpayer than any other state. We There's are some other holding on tight to being on the there. last in the nation. There's some other demographics So good news is this is going to the people, and we'll have a lot more time enough. to talk about it. It is true. Okay, <laughs> I want to just mention this super quick, and this is like lightning round of national issues. Uh, <laughs> President Biden uh, made a visit to Ukraine Greg, uh, was this a good visit on the one-year anniversary? Did you appreciate it? No, it's it? sad. Why? Pal- because Palestine and Ohio was a better place for him to be with what's going on there with those homes. Could he have evacuated. gone to both? Well, he hasn't been there yet in Ohio, and he needs to be there. And that that is one that is really striking uh, that community. And, look, it, it contradicts all of their, their talk about being good stewards of the environment and everything else. There are some critical things and sad things going on in this country I'd love to see the president be on the border of our country and what's going on down there and not some street sweep before he gets there um, in El Paso. I'd like to see him there. I'd like to see him in Ohio, in Palestine, near Pittsburgh, where there's just – in Pittsburgh, where I, where I used to live, they have taken products off the shelves that were produced or, made, or brought in from that area. They're taking the water, bottled water that they got from that location that was you – know, they sold it from there. They're taking it off their shelves in southwest Pennsylvania because of what's happening there. That's a, that should be the first, first priority of this president right now. I'm going to stay with the question you asked and just say, yeah, I think it's important that America no, is supporting Ukraine right now. And I think it's really a critical psychological time. It would have been time. a shorter trip. I think that um, Putin's moves this last week warranted that America sort of said NATO and the and the United States are going to 
continue to support. So I felt like it was an important hallmark that America's voice needs to be heard. One thing that came up this week while President Biden was there um, is talk that the money that we've approved to go to Ukraine will fund all kinds of things, one of them even being pensions of people in Ukraine. Is this a bad idea when here in the U.S. we're trying to figure out how to keep our own Social Security afloat? It's going to get stickier and stickier, right? And we absolutely, there's probably corruption in the system, and I'm sure we're going to find U.S. dollars that went to some dicey things. And that's the bummer of prolonged wars and stuff. I mean, like, we're going to find more and more things that didn't go right, but I I think it's a little too early to withdraw our support. But more and more conditions are going to have to be around our support, I I think. I have a real cynicism towards the industrial, the, the, what do they call it, the the defense industrial complex, what is it called? Anyway, I just think that there's a, there is a, there's a, a industry in war. And all of its money that goes with yeah. it. And, yeah. I, and I get, I am, at this time in my life, after everything I've seen, Republican or Democrat, I am just tired of seeing the same story decades long. And that's what I see. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming very jaundiced it's about this. It's a cycle this. of abuse we live in this world. Uh, taking this back uh, from a national level to here in Utah, Senator Romney's finally answering sort of when he might uh, – actually announce whether he's running. And right now he says he has not made that decision yet, and he will make an announcement spring or summer. We've talked about this already. Greg, this feels really late for anyone who might want to primary him, run if he doesn't run. Is there a secret handshake behind the scenes where people know if they run or not? What, what's the word on the streets? You know, there, there's there's different theories running out there, certainly on Capitol Hill, because it, there are political creatures up there. But I, I will tell you that uh, if he waits, uh, there are people that I think will want to run for that seat, whether it's against him or for an open seat. Both are both have its have its advantages. Um, I think that maybe Mitt Romney's looking to see if there's a a runoff election provision, mm-hmm. or if 33 percent in a plurality uh, election could get could win the day. I think he'd feel better about a plurality race uh, in for a, in a primary if he stays a Republican and doesn't go independent, which was always my original thought is that's what he was going to do. But anyway, if there's, if, there's a, if there's a runoff or a way to get head-to-head, that would be harder for Mitt Romney, and so that might be a decision he's waiting for the legislature to decide if it's going to have a bill that deals with uh, runoff elections. But the longer he waits, uh, I think the, the more uh, sharks start to swim uh, around in that water. I agree with Greg on this. I think it's smart for Romney not to announce anything during the legislative session. I think I think that makes sense. Yeah. But that's a week away now, and I do think the longer Romney waits, the less in control of it in many ways he is. Yeah, and interestingly enough, there's so many ideas of what happens. I think he is going to run again. I think that he wins, and I'm wondering if he, I, I think that puts him really old if he were to serve. Not that being old is bad, but it's he will be up there in years if he were to serve another six years. Does he try to pull off a Senator Hatch move where he takes the office and then he decides who will wear the crown next and kind of figures out a handoff, you know, two years down the road? You know, I mean, that's what makes Senator Romney interesting is I don't think he's as predictable, right? I don't think think the levers of power, I think he cares about them, but they're different than for other people. And I think it makes him wildly unpredictable, which I like, but it does make you wonder what he'll do. Mm, so now we wait. And next week we might have a lot more answers about all kinds of things. But again, we're only on Bill 500 at the Utah Legislature. <laughs> we have 300 <laughs> more we could possibly hear about. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're working at the legislative session, you've got this. Just a few more Red Bulls and you're across the finish line. Yeah. Do you have something to say, I Greg? Say, I talked to someone that's a yeah? county commissioner. And 
fan of the show in Wasatch County. Hey, Big thanks fan for of, listening. Fan of the podcast. And thanks. not related to any of us? No, not, no, no <laughs> friends awesome. and family. Someone outside the circle. It was exciting. <laughs> Shoot, family today, can listen to this. I'm going to tell my mom I have a podcast beautiful. right now. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening. Tell all of your friends about us, not my mom. Thanks for joining. <laughs> have a great week. This young guy, too. He's like,